Uh, let's pray. Lord, um, thank you so much for helping us to figure out who you are sometimes, Father. Lord, we can understand you, and God, sometimes it's so overwhelming, and we overwhelm ourselves by thinking that we have to do something to know you better or whatever, Lord. It, Lord I, I'm just thankful that you encourage us and push us to just trust you instead of trying to do everything on our own. And Lord, if it wasn't for you doing that, then, then God, I, I just I'd be lost and I'd be overwhelmed, and God, I'd be dead on the inside. So, Lord, help us to just learn more about you, God, and learn to trust you more, and just do what you've called us to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, um, the last series we were in was called Finding Your Purpose, and uh, I just kind of want to go through it again, like just by topic, because it was so good for me, I mean, to just try to figure out, like, what exactly is this purpose thing, and what do I tell you guys when I come up here and preach? And it was just, it was very eye-opening for me to try to figure that stuff out. And, you know, we really didn't even talk about, like, exactly what you should do with your life, like a pinpoint kind of thing. But we did talk about faith, and we talked about trusting God with your life. And then we talked about humility, how you, have, you can't be prideful in your approach to that. You have to be humble and allow yourself to let God shape you. And then Kenny topped it off with, really, our purpose, no matter what we do, no matter where we end up or what career we have or who we end up with as you know, with your spouse, no matter what, your purpose is to be more like Christ and share that news with everybody. Seems really general, and it seems really just like, oh, it's really easy. But it's, it's so good once you just allow that and just like, buy into that idea, and it just, it changes your whole perspective. Well, anyways, we're now into a new series that I feel like God has put on my heart. It's called Broken Vessels, and I was just thinking about, um, I guess, the old me, and I was thinking about us, how we are such a, as a body of believers, we are such a, a counter to this culture. Like we're going against the grain in so many ways. And it can be a little bit offensive to some people and other people. They're not quite sure what it is. But I was just thinking about like how do we approach this world and how do we how do we go about sharing this good news and and where what do we learn in church? All this kind of stuff. I just started thinking about all that. And I realized that in my own life the more I grew, or the more I thought I was growing, I almost simplified my faith down to a list of do's and don'ts, and it became legalistic in nature to where I almost, I thought to myself, not consciously, but it was coming out in the way I was talking and the way I was acting and everything else, that people who pray more, are a better Christian, or if they don't listen to this kind of music, they're, they're more solid, or if they do do this, then they're under some question here, and it was more about a list of do's and don'ts than it was about a heart, and it takes someone 
with a heart to see a heart for Christ. You can't, you can't look at somebody's do's and don'ts and past and all that kind of other stuff. And on top of that, it excludes a ton of people from actually coming to know Jesus it, you know, in, as it relates to you because, or me because it was almost like they could see my life and they saw a list of do's and don'ts instead of a compassionate heart. And that's just not, that's just not good. Avoiding culture and avoiding, you can't avoid culture. And that's the bottom line. We, we think to ourselves that, you know, now that we're Christian, we have to avoid all culture. And we, and like in turn, that makes us think that if we're avoiding culture, things like Facebook or parties or whatever it is, we think that we're avoiding sin and that we think we're doing a good job by avoiding those things. But in reality, you can't escape sin. You can't avoid it altogether. It, there's, there's no possible way that you can do that. In fact, when you're doing that, when you're avoiding culture and you're trying to avoid sin, you're actually creating your own form of sin by, by putting yourself on a pedestal, thinking that you're better not consciously, but you're doing that. You're, you're creating your own little kingdom, your own little sect of things. And that's where division comes in, all sorts of stuff. We just, we can't avoid culture. And I just, I started thinking about that. And uh, I'm not really sure how this passage of Scripture um, relates as of right now. But God put it on my heart, and I, we're just going to talk about it, I guess. So, Mark chapter 7 is uh, the, where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, I haven't noticed this until last night that pretty much everything I've been preaching from is from Mark. And I have no idea why. It's just been going from like chapter 1 and on. Really kind of weird, but that doesn't matter. Anyways, Mark chapter 7. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says... One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. So we're talking about the Pharisees again, and these dudes straight up crack me up. They're the biggest bunch of idiots I've ever read about. Like, when you're just, like, sitting there reading about them, sometimes it seems normal what they're doing, but because of what we learn in church all the time, we automatically have this negative notion of these people, and we just think, oh, whatever is talking about them, they're, they're wrong. So we just kind of blow by it in a way. But I'm sitting there reading this, and they're paying attention. They're wasting their time paying attention to Jesus' disciples. They're about to go eat. And they didn't wash their hands in the ceremonial way that they're supposed to. And then they go over to Jesus and they ask him, why aren't your disciples 
following our age-old tradition of washing hands. And it's just, I just started thinking about that. What is the, what's the point? Like it seems, it's so mechanical and so just thoughtless, the things that they were doing. Because if you noticed, they kept talking about their tradition. This is what they have clung to. They, they built this tradition up, and now everybody follows it, especially the Pharisees, but all Jewish people are supposed to follow this tradition. But they never mentioned it being a part of what God wanted them to do. So they even went so far as to make it a tradition and ceremony to wash their kettles and cups and stuff like that a certain way. And then they go up to Jesus trying to basically accuse him of telling his disciples to disobey what God had told them to do. But I'm just thinking about this tradition that they're following in their minds. Because really, a lot of times, we as Christians can characterize our faith or characterize ourselves. We can say, I'm a Christian because I do this. Or I'm a Christian because I don't do this. Like, I'm a Christian because I don't cuss. Since I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to cuss. And since I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to drink. And so when we see somebody who doesn't cuss or drink or smoke weed or have sex before marriage or at least has that, that, that morality about them, they think that they're not supposed to have sex before marriage, we automatically think, oh, that's a Christian because they don't do these things. Or be, but because they do stuff, we also think that they're Christians too. Like if they pray or like when I was in high school, I, was, I went to this person's house and I was with my friends and and this girl was on the, on the back porch, and she was talking. And I don't, I don't know why I was here, but I was. So kids, don't follow my example all the time, so only sometimes when I'm here. Uh, but anyways, I was there, and she had alcohol in her hand. And I don't know why they start. I, so I guess drunk people start talking about their uh, emotions and like what they think about life, and, and they start regretting things. And, well, apparently... Some people were regretting not going to church. They wanted to get their life right, right? They're just like, I got to get back in church. My life sucks. And this girl had uh, some alcohol in her hand. She was like, well, I repent every night. And I was just sitting there like, what? I just, it, she said she repents every night. And I, I wasn't even a Christian, but I was just really confused by what she said. I didn't even know what repent meant, but I knew that she wasn't doing it. And I was just... I was just laughing, and I was like, that's, that's terrible. But like when I look back, I don't know why it stuck out of my mind, but when I look back on that, I was thinking, there is, that is like so bad that we were all just there thinking, oh yeah, we're, we're Christians because we're talking about repentance or something like that. But I, it's just these characteristics, like we characterize ourselves by what we do and don't do in our lives. So... Well, let's, go, let's see what Jesus says. I'm getting ahead of myself. It says, Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, 
For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vow to give to God what I have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents, and so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example of many others. So Jesus calls them out, and he says that they were wrong. He was like, you're a hypocrite. Because what you're doing is that you are teaching your man-made principles, these things that you just thought up as commands from God. They have so convinced themselves that what they were doing was pleasing God that they made their entire just community, every, their whole country, everybody of the Jewish race follow these things as if they were commands from God. And then he accused the Son of God, and His disciples of not following after God because they didn't wash their hands. And He told them, your worship is a farce, meaning that it's just it's a joke. It's a mocking. You, you teach something so simple, so thoughtless, as a command from God, and the question is, like, what's the point in that? What is the point in that? It's so weird how we do that. How we just take something, like they built this up. They thought really what they were doing is covering up. They were covering up a deeper issue on the inside by forming a way that they thought was going to please God. It was just something else that they could do that they could build themselves up. They were so prideful. And they use this to make themselves better looking in other people's eyes and in God's eyes, so to speak. They, they thought. And so, Jesus then explains what he's talking about. It says, Then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just asked, just used. Don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Then he added, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. Far from within, or from within, out of a person's heart, Come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So, sometimes I have a really, really hard time of getting what's in here and in here out here, out there. And to be honest, it makes me feel like a straight-up idiot because, you know, you're up here and you're like trying to figure it out, trying to say it. But I'm just so 
I'm just so heartbroken over our condition, like us as humans. And, and I see how far I see how far we've we've gone away from the truth. And I guess a couple of questions. It's like, what have we fabricated and used in our lives as a rule or as a characterization of what a Christian actually is? Because we look at the Pharisees a whole lot of times and and think that they're not a good example to follow, so we just disregard what they're what they're saying or what they're doing. But a lot of times we can look at them and picture ourselves because they're the ones who Jesus talked to the most, really. And they're the ones that needed the most change. And when I look at that, I see where I need the most change because they were just like us. They were human, just like us. But so many times we can just narrow this Christian thing down into a list of do's and don'ts. But what I want us to understand is that we are the literal vessels that carry this good news out to the rest of the world. We are the means by which this news gets to other people. It doesn't go out any other way. Now, of course, if we didn't do it, you know, God would use another way, but there's always somebody out there doing it because God's church will always stand. But just for us, when we carry this good news out, are we carrying a list of do's and don'ts with us? Because God allowed us the privilege of sharing the good news with others. Because when that, when that seed goes out and you start seeing it grow, there's nothing more satisfying than to see someone's life being changed by God and you just had a small part in it. It's the most satisfying thing ever. But when we bring out this news, are we bringing a list of do's and don'ts? just narrowing it down and watering it down to something that this human, this person who is so overwhelmed by life already, we throw a list of do's and don'ts in there like, well, you can't go to a party. Now we need to take these things in context and you need to, 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 think, to think about these things as, okay, so why don't we go to parties? Why don't we cuss? Or why is it that we don't drink alcohol It's not a, you can't do this. Because sometimes people have to figure these things out. And I'm not saying, like, y'all just go to every party and just go get drunk. But I'm not, what I'm not going to do is tell you, you can't go to parties and still be a Christian. Because that's not the definition. That's not the definition of Christianity. Not cussing is not the definition of Christianity. And now if we're looking at Jesus' life, 
We're looking at what he's bringing to, the, to these people. He's not telling them not to cuss or not to, to tax collect or do whatever they were doing in that time. He's not telling them a list of do's and don'ts. He's constantly dealing with the heart. So when we go out to the rest of this world, instead of bringing a list of do's and don'ts with us, thinking that Christianity kind of boils down to what we can or can't do in this life, why can't we just bring the Holy Spirit with us? Because the Holy Spirit is what changes you. I remember the night that I finally started to just grasp the gospel. It took me like over a year, probably like two years, to just fully grasp exactly what I was doing because I boiled it down probably because of what people were telling me. I boiled it down to a list of do's and don'ts. So I stopped doing certain things, started doing others, and it just wasn't working. But I remember the night that I was sitting there and I started to feel something just grab my heart. And at the end of that night, I had fully just given myself to God, and whatever God wanted with my life, I wanted that. And I just, I fell in love with him. But I cannot tell you what the sermon was about that night. I can't tell you what anybody else said. I can't tell you hardly anything about that night other than what I was feeling in my heart. Now, when we go to the rest of this world with this good news, and we bring a list of do's and don'ts, how long do you think that'll last? Because I obviously remembered the next day what we learned about, because it was like a a series, and we were at the beach. But it didn't last for six years. But for six years, I still remember how God changed me. And I remember that that was the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying the the preacher and everybody else there were planting seeds in me like crazy. And one of them just just grabbed a hold of my heart, and it grew. But God gave it the growth, and that's what changed me. Not a list of do's and don'ts. So when we go to the rest of this world... Are we admitting that we're broken people and that we're just bringing this good news to other broken people in need of a Savior? Because although I've been a Christian for six years, it makes me no different than someone who's been a Christian for one. It makes me no different than someone who has, is not a Christian at all. Because you know what? We all face the same struggles. When Jesus said that what defiles us is what's already in us, not what we do or what goes into us, we're already defiled. You're not now defiled that you cussed. You're not all of a sudden defiled because you drank some alcohol or had sex before marriage. You were defiled before. We all were. We were all born sinners. We're all tempted by sin every day. And what's in us is already defiled. Nothing had to come in. We didn't have to do anything to defile us. We already were. So the problem is, is the heart. 
And so we're these broken vessels that are bringing this good news to people who have impure hearts, just like us. So we go back to the question of avoiding culture, because I'm not really sure why, but we think we have to avoid certain things as Christians, and it's, it's really weird how we do that because it's so exclusive. It's so just like, eh, you know, it makes people feel weird. When they, when, they think, when, they, when they come in to this place and they think that they have to worship a certain way or just these, I mean, it's just heavy. It's way too heavy. It's way too much to just ask you to do something like that. It's like, it's not... It's not just out of your comfort zone in a good way. It's out of your comfort zone in a bad way. It's like, why? what's the point in that? What's the point in avoiding these certain things or whatever? Or what's the point in telling people that? What's the point in telling a lost person, well, once you uh, become a Christian, you can't go to parties? What's the point in that? I don't understand that at all. And I don't understand, I don't understand why we say, well, all of a sudden, like, this person is saved. They don't have to be perfect the next day. They don't, they don't have to completely stop doing everything. You know why? Because God takes care of that. We don't have to. I promise you God will take care of that because he's in there. He's in there now and he's not leaving. And the further you go and the more you walk with Jesus, the more you fall in love with him and the more he changes you and the more he redirects your perspective and just clears up your vision about things and you know where the fruit comes from? It's through that change. It's not through you not cussing. I promise you it's not. As a result of your heart change, will you stop doing things? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not a rule. It's not a requirement. It's not something you abide by. What you abide by is God's Word. What you live by is the Holy Spirit within, within you. Because you know what these rules do? They weigh you down. Because you have this Holy Spirit in you, but then you have these rules up here. All that does is just overwhelm you because you think, well, I feel the Holy, like I feel God want me to do this, but you have two different things going on and it overwhelms you and it's just not good. It's, it's overwhelming. I hate it. I hate that feeling so bad. And I hate to see people who are weighed down by that. Because there's so many people who come in here, it's almost like when I'm standing next to them, I can just feel the tension. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you can be in a room and someone's like, you know, not happy with another person. You can feel that tension even if they're not saying anything to each other. It's that same kind of feeling. I'm just like, man, something's not right. Like, you're just heavy. Like, something's wrong. Like, you just need to let it go. Like, something. Like, talk about it. Like, let me hear what you're saying because I feel like what you're doing is thinking you have to do something to, to gain God's approval. But you know what we're doing when we're doing that? When we say that, that we're, we're, we're having to do something or stop doing something before we go to God, we're saying God's not strong enough. Because what God's doing is He's got His arms wide open to us and we, we come to Him and He embraces us and he's, he's saying, look, I got you now. I got you. It's like we were this, this lost child and then He finally finds His parent and then they just they come together and it's this real dramatic moment and, it, and it, the child's scared, the child doesn't know what to do 
And God just grabs us up like that and says, I love you, and don't worry about everything you've ever done. Don't worry about doing certain things. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fix you right up. I'm going to wipe that sin right off of you. You're never going to know it was there. You're going to have a changed heart. You're going to feel peace. You're going to be comforted by me all the time. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Anytime you want to talk to me, I'm here. Don't be overwhelmed by these rules. And when we try to put those sins off, when we try to do these lists of do's and don'ts and then go to God, we're saying, God's not powerful enough to give me peace or to comfort me or to wipe my sin off and deal with it himself because he's the ultimate physician. We don't try to get rid of our sickness before we go to the doctor. There's no point in going to the doctor. We don't try to cover up our symptoms and and do all these other things before we go to the doctor. We want the doctor to figure out what's wrong with us. We want the doctor to find a solution. We we put our full trust in this doctor to heal us in some way. And that's what we should do when we go to God. We don't need to narrow it down to some rules. It's stupid. And it's, it's, it's way too heavy. It's so big of a burden that we cannot handle, and it's way too big of a burden to drag with us to the rest of the world. It robs us of our joy. It just makes us ineffective for the gospel because it's not the gospel. Rules, are not, that's not the gospel. And that's, so many, that's the reason why so many people don't come to church. Why? Because people actually do that. People actually do that. They actually talk about these things. They actually say you shouldn't or should do things. And the Bible clearly teaches against that. The Bible clearly talks about your heart. And it doesn't talk, when he's naming these sins off, he's just making us aware, this is what's wrong, we've got to get help. It's not like, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you suck. It's not like that. It's your heart has something wrong with it. Your heart is sick. It needs healing. Your heart is weighed down. It needs to be encouraged. Your life is full of drama. Your life is full of stress. It needs peace. You need joy. You need comfort. You need to be who God created you to be. And it doesn't happen through following rules and the gospel doesn't get spread by avoiding culture and dragging around a list of do's and don'ts. It doesn't happen that way. So, in your life, are there rules that you've created in your mind or in your heart that if you don't do them, it affects your relationship with God? Ask yourself and be honest with yourself, do you have true peace and joy in your relationship with God? Is there something weighing you down? And also, when you're going to the rest of this world sharing this good news, whether it's your friend who you hang out with all the time, or someone you don't know in Russia somewhere. Are you being honest with yourself about how broken you actually are, which is allowing you to have compassion on these people and not 
putting them to the side because they will never be able to follow a list of do's and don'ts that you've created in your own mind. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's go to God for our view of what culture should be, how we should engage this culture. Let's see what Jesus did. And that's what this whole series is about. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I, I treated our relationship, Lord. I was so distant for so long because of this list of do's and don'ts or these so-called rituals that I, I just formed, God, thinking, God, I was just, I was so prideful. I was so prideful, Lord. God, I'm just so, I'm so happy and glad that what you do is that you just keep chipping away at the walls I've built up around my heart that don't allow me to trust you, Lord. And I, I'm just thankful that you pursue me because so many times, God, I pursue myself. Lord, I know there's so many different scenarios in this room, God, of, of what we've done. But Lord, I pray that, that none of that would hinder anybody to just come to you and, and admit their wrongs and, and feel your love when they do that, Lord. God, I, I just pray that, that we would accept this and embrace this title of a broken vessel, God, someone who's just in need of a Savior, and we're bringing this news to other people who are in need of a Savior, and it's that simple. God, I want to embrace that, God. I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be, I don't want to be high on myself or, or high on this church thinking that we've got it figured out, and like, and everybody's got to do it like us, God. Your Word is how we should do it. And when people aren't following it exactly as they should, God, I pray we would have compassion and show them what your word says in a compassionate, graceful way so that they would feel welcomed in your arms and, and trust you to wipe away their sin and, and make wipe away everything they've done and give them a clean slate, God, and just make them white put on clean clothes give them a new perspective and a new heart God that's what we want to see we don't want to see people following rules God it is so cold God it is so unsatisfying to follow rules that is terrible God we want to see heart change regardless of what the outside looks like God we want to see heart change and I pray that we want to see that in ourselves and that that would happen tonight and that the process would start tonight in some people's hearts that haven't fully given themselves to you, Lord. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.